Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. We are back for another episode of We're All Little Crazy Podcast. I'm Darren Ravel, joined by my co-hosts, Eric Cusin from Same Here Global Alliance and Theo Fleury, uh, all-time hockey star, and uh, I think he's probably even more proud. I know he's more proud of what he's done in the mental health space. We have an amazing show today for you. Uh, We are talking about uh, Yale and a story in the Washington Post about the handling of or mishandling of suicides um, and then a story um, out of out of Stanford um, with the Myers and the family putting uh, the blame uh, on placing the blame on the college for their their daughter uh, dying by suicide. Um, just s- some really important topics that we talk about. And uh, it's not only uh, Eric and, and I and, and Theo, we have some awesome guests. And Eric, I want you to do the intro of who's here with us today to talk about it. Yeah. And thanks Darren for, for addressing both those topics. We talked about the Washington post article with Yale last week. And so building off of that, just to go into a little more detail with Katie Meyer and her family, the suit is actually, so it's a wrongful death uh, lawsuit. And so in thinking about who the right folks to bring on were, because what we try to do with the show is what's happening in current events in mental health whether it's pop culture, whether it's in college athletics, whether it's in you know music and film and sports and bring together relevant people to discuss topics as they're happening. And so how this group gets together here, little background is when we started the organization back at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, a woman who I had never heard of before named Kathy Hurst reached out. Uh, Kathy happens to be the mother of Hayden Hurst, who later became the first round pick of the Baltimore Ravens uh, has since gone on to play as tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. And now is with the Cincinnati Bengals for anyone who follows the mental health space. Uh, Hayden's story has been out there in a tremendously transparent and giving way. Uh, Hayden himself was, is, is a survivor of a suicide attempt that happened at South Carolina. And through that relationship with Kathy, I was introduced to, Two of our guests today, uh, Kim and Mark Kalinsky. And I have to tell you, like, you know, Kim, I'm looking at you as I'm saying this. It was the first time I'd been in advocacy up until this point where I was nervous to have a conversation when I was connected with you and Mark, because it was so soon after your loss with your son, which we're going to go into the story. As an advocate, you talk and you go on posts and you and you put information out there. But when you're faced directly with the people who've been affected, having to choose the right words and Mark, you know, looking at you, I remember wanting to share what I had been through in my own mind when I had gone through suicidal ideations as a hope that 
hearing how it felt like it had taken over me as opposed to it being a choice um, was the way that I had experienced it and that maybe that would help you all find some peace. So from there, in terms of being introduced to the Holinskys, we did an awesome event with Hayden, with his mom, with Jerry Spurrier at University of South Carolina when their son, other quarterback, Ryan Holinsky, was a quarterback there. Uh, Ryan has since transferred to Northwestern. That's why Darren is fanboying out on this call as well, wearing a Northwestern hat. Uh, and so Kim and Mark are going to talk a lot about their programming and the amazing things that they're doing in this space. And then two other guests. Uh, I had a very good friend in Florida when I went through my crash when I was working for the Panthers. Her name was Stacy, and her daughter plays in a youth hockey league down in Florida. And so when the news came of the passing by suicide a number of months ago of McKenna Brown, uh, I was introduced through the family that I was friends with, through Stacy and her daughter, to both Hunter and to Cheryl Brown, who are with us as well. And I, and I got to say, as, as we, we get into the conversation, the fabric of the person, the, the cloth from which they come, the desire to help other people, and the interest in making the world a better place, I see that when I see the four of you and when I talk with the four of you. And I, I noticed it immediately with Cheryl and with Hunter when I started talking with you. And for candidly, for everyone who's listened to this, this is the first time the four of you are on together, but I think it's going to be a very supportive and and um, long-lasting relationship and so appreciate it and so you know i think for the purposes of as we get into how do we actually the topic what we hope to address with this episode how do we actually work with high schools work with colleges programmatically to make change i think it's it's only important that we start off with stories and and you know mark and kim if you could take us through about five minutes of your story i know it's really hard to condense with Tyler and then and then Cheryl and Hunter, I'll have you take it from there with with McKenna as well. Sure, um, you're right. Five minutes is definitely not enough time, um, and that five is is a big number, really, because we're coming up on the the fifth year anniversary of Tyler's passing this upcoming January. We can't believe he's been gone, you know, five years. Um, he was quarterback at Washington State University. Uh, no signs at all of any uh, depression or anxiety, no outward signs that, that we could see. And um, he was, you know, here one day texting and then gone the next day. He actually went to football practice that morning um, and then, then didn't go back to the player run practice that afternoon. And, you know, teammates went and found him. Um, so we, uh, we struggled for, well, we're still struggling um, without him, but uh, we started the foundation, um, which really has become sort of therapy for us. We went through all kind of grief, grief counseling, met with our priests, group grief counseling. And, you know, at some point you, you just realize that you're never going to stop grieving. Uh, you learn how to live with it. Um, and so Halinsky's Hope um, and our student athletes um, they're really, and our children, Ryan and Kelly, are, are our purpose really right now. And I always say we had three choices in the beginning after Tyler passed. We were just going to stay in California. That's where we were from. Um, that's where the kids grew up. Just put our head in the sand and ignore everything, you know, ignore the fact that Tyler died. We couldn't do that. I was going to grab my family and we were going to run off to, you know, a proverbial island somewhere and try to live again. 
And that wasn't an option really. Um, and so we chose option number three, which is, you know, the foundation and to honor Tyler as we help others. Uh, five years does feel like an eternity ago. And it also feels like yesterday. And I, I just want to say on behalf of so many people who are in this space, how appreciative we are. And we're going to get into the specifics of when do you share? Do you share? How open are you? Are you open at all? But it, it, you you all are selfless in what in what you've done. Um, and and it's it's incredible to work with people who care about helping other people. And I think the purpose, hopefully, that you have found when the, you talk about those three options is what is keeping you going, right? And 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 I as as I say that and I transition to ask Cheryl and Hunter to share, I hope what Kim shared on behalf of Kim and Mark is somewhat therapeutic a little bit for you. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it hurts to watch the pain of another uh, group of parents, but but to also see how they've been able to find purpose in the loss, you know, I hope is motivating for you as you go into sharing your story. It is definitely motivating. And tomorrow actually marks four months since the passing of McKenna. So we're in a lot of ways still trying to figure it out, trying to piece things together. And ironically, like she said, three choices. We we discussed it very early on, even before McKenna's service, that you know this was not a journey that we saw ourselves going on. We're at the apex of our careers. We have a son who's up. We're in New Hampshire right now, catching three of our son's hockey games. He's a sophomore in college, playing hockey. We, McKenna had a special needs sister, you know, and she's graduating high school this year. As I said, we're at the apex of our career. Retirement's on the horizon. And we just said early on, we need to pull the family tight, focus on the family, and just really concentrate on getting through this. And then all of a sudden, this journey has chosen us. We find ourselves on a journey that we had decided we weren't going to be on. You know, and uh, immediately after, you know, you try and shield them and protect them even in death. Um, McKenna's journey to taking her own life was a little different. Um, and we didn't even realize at the beginning exactly what it what had made, led her on that journey. And then the day of her uh, service, you know, we kind of just, instead of shielding, we kind of went like Teo Fleury did. And we just put her all, she suffered in silence and kept secrets. And we just put all the, we put all the cards on the table. Um, the gist of it is her freshman year, McKenna had a compromising photo that she had shared with a boyfriend. Her best friend at the time had gotten a hold of that compromising picture, shared it around school uh, with some friends. And that's what went viral pretty quickly. At around the exact same time, uh, she was sexually assaulted, unbeknownst to us, by an 18-year-old at a teammate's sleepover uh, at, after a hockey practice after, on a weekend. And we found out about this. So she took an attempt on her life just before this, at the start of the Christmas break. And it was unsuccessful. We pieced her life back together, got everything back together. We found out about the picture. We did not find out about the rape. And then over the, you know, so she pieced her life back together, got her grades back together. And for her sophomore, junior year, she excelled socially, academically, and athletically. She was an honor student. Uh, she went to the USA Hockey National Championships three times, twice tier one, once for tier two, which had happened to be canceled by COVID. Then right before the, you know, three days, the day before her brother's 22nd birthday, three days before the start of her senior year. Uh, two weeks before our 25th wedding anniversary, one month before her 17th birthday, uh, she took her own life. Uh, we weren't sure of the details until after the service, friends and teammates that were concerned started to come forward and share what had happened, share some screen captures that had been sent and stuff. What had happened was Tuesday night, they were at the beach uh, with some friends. 
one girl was there who actually it turns out was her brother had been the one that had raped uh and or statutorily raped mckenna and she had an ex-boyfriend that was there that mckenna from two years before they did they had broken up two years ago and mckenna had you know he was interested in mckenna they flirted some and then after so that was kind of awkward and tense they came to an agreement on it. She said she was fine with it. McKenna could do whatever she wanted. The next night on Wednesday, McKenna was at the causeway with two teammates. And that friend was not there, the one who's the ex, but the ex-boyfriend was. McKenna and him became more intimate in their interaction. Uh, McKenna spent the night, those two nights with two teammates, came home on Thursday. On Friday, those two on Friday, four teammates, including the ex-girlfriend teammate, gathered together at a friend's house teammate classmates house which was five traffic lights from our house basically they decided they went scorched earth on mckenna took her down they canceled her over social media their stated goal was to make sure she didn't have a single friend left and they shared uh, about a half dozen screen captures which included a whole bunch of transgressions they felt mckenna had made against them as well as sharing the fact that mckenna had been raped at 14 by you know the one girl's older brother and so they're that, accusing of her breaking the girl code. Yeah, they, they accused her of breaking the girl code. So they took her down. And that late the next morning, McKenna took her own life sometime around between four and five, we think. And that put us on this journey. Um, nothing we do or say, or we, we know that nothing's going to bring her back. So at this point, it is. She helped so many people when she was here. Um, we've had so many people because of just kind of speaking out and being transparent and open about everything that's happened in an effort to help other people. Had a lot of people come forward and let us know that conversations that weren't happening before are happening now. And, and since we're focusing on schools, especially in this one right here, uh, we're at one of the most, McKenna and her brother and her sister go to one of the most affluent schools, probably the most affluent public school in Pinellas County. Uh, you know, and their, their graduation rates 99 to 100%. Everyone there drives a Tesla, BMW, whatever. They're all very wealthy. And it's a very athletically driven school, you know, basketball, baseball, football, uh, et cetera. And uh, they've had a half dozen suicides in right around a half dozen year, year, years. Two of them were swimmers, one of whom had a D1 scholarship already lined up. Uh, one was a football player. There was McKenna. There was a someone who was in the band, you know, these weren't kids who were ostracized or marginalized. These were kids who, you know, scholar athletes, close knit group of friends. And there's a sixth one out there that we're not sure of, as well as multiple attempts that we, you know, have, we don't know about because when it's an attempt, you, you shield them and protect them because they have to continue their life. So whatever the and, school's doing, it's not working. What's and what that, I was going to say. What's that time span? A year? Six Half, years. Six years, right around six, six suicides in six years, give or take, right around there. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was we met with the school and basically the school does not want to acknowledge they have a problem. They're worried about copycats. And basically what we were, there will be no lasting permanent legacy to McKenna. Uh, you know, their stance is, is that, uh, you know, by the time this year's junior class graduates, there will be no lasting memory of legacy on, on of McKenna on campus. They basically told us that to our face. You know, the students had a petition that got 6,000 signatures for a tree. School won't plant a tree. There was a lady whose son died by suicide who donates benches, uh, but there had to be a plaque of McKenna on it. The school was like, well, we'll buy a bench, but there won't be a plaque of McKenna on it. Um, the school just does not want to acknowledge they have a problem or no acknowledgement whatsoever. The, the interim principal literally had the audacity to say, you know, we don't, you know, valedictorians, we don't have their names on plaques. 
and we don't want them walking by a suicide prevention bench with uh, you know someone who took their life's name on it and think that that's what they have to do in order to get their name on a plaque. The, it's pretty insulting and ignorant. I mean, my God. The, okay, so so I got to and I want to bring Theo in because as we're hearing, you know, I think the basis of which we're gonna we're gonna build this conversation is hearing both of your stories, right? And 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 as I thank Mark and Kim, thank you. Cheryl and Hunter for sharing as, as transparently as you have. I think there's a lot about the decisions that you all made personally early on to share to not share. We're going to get into, I just wanted to get Theo's take quickly, everyone, because if you think of the circumstances of this, there's a lot of similarities. There's team sport athlete, right? Gregarious outgoing people that were life of the party that everyone loved, right? That those are the commonalities. But then you have differences. One was male, one was female. One, there was a previous attempt, one there wasn't. One, there was sexual abuse involved, one there wasn't. Um, one happened in high school, one happened in college. Theo, what's your takeaway when you hear these stories? And there's similarities, but there's also a lot of differences as well. Because I have mm -hmm. a takeaway, but I'm curious what you <clears throat> Well, um, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast and your courage is commendable and needed. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just got back from uh, Northern community last night at two 30 in the morning. And uh, while I was there, they were burying a young man who, uh, who had a significant trauma history and, and uh, um, drank, drank himself to death. And, uh, and so, you know, when I hear McKenna's story, you know, it, it's eerily similar to mine, right? You know, I think when, when you're violated in that way, um, it, it's like a living murder. And you, you know, your innocence is gone forever. It's lost forever. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to uh, make sense of it, you know, at the time. And, uh, and so I understand, uh, where probably McKenna's pain was, uh, emotional pain. And then, uh, and then getting the reaction from the school tells you that, um, that McKenna, I, I don't think at any point felt safe at all with what happened to her, her story, what was going on. And, uh, um, so I understand that I, I, you know, I've spent, uh, I don't even know how many hours of therapy and whatnot, you know, coming to the realization that, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't my fault and, uh, I can't go back and change what happened, but I can certainly, um, I can certainly take, uh, McKenna's story. I can take my story. Uh, I can take the Helinski stories with me everywhere I go and I can reference them uh, while I'm speaking. And so, you know, the importance of, of sharing these stories is um, essential, especially in the mental health space. Um, you know, we're very aware of, we have a mental health problem and we have an addiction problem in the world. But we, we don't acknowledge what brings us into the space, which is trauma, right? And, uh, and I, 
speak a lot about trauma, you know, because I, I, you know, my, my history is, you know, probably 20 layers deep in my childhood of, of different types of trauma I experienced in my life. And, and a lot of those traumas happened in, in the team sport that I was playing from coaches and, and opponents that I were, I was playing against who, you know, were bullies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, um, it is, it is a topic. Well, let's face it, you know, the biggest epidemic on the planet is not COVID-19. The biggest epidemic on the planet is mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at, uh, same here. And, uh, this podcast is all about safety. It's all about creating safety through vulnerability, right? And vulnerability is storytelling. And so the more stories that we tell, uh, you know, we become this safe space for people to come and tell us their stories because at same here, you're not going to get any judgment. We're not going to point the finger at you. And, uh, you know, we're going to love you until you can love yourself. Right. And, you know, that, and that's such an important message um, to, to get out there is, is that uh, these things happen, unfortunately. And, uh, but, you know, the, the legacy lives on through you, through all four of you, you know, putting yourself out there uh, with a very painful experience and a painful topic, but, but that's courage, right? that's courage. And, and when you acknowledge courage, um, you know, it gives people hope. And when you give people hope, you know, maybe somebody's going to listen to this podcast who, you know, was in a similar place. I was 17 years ago when I had a fully loaded pistol in my mouth, you know, ready to pull the trigger. And, and so, you know, it's important that we tell stories. So, you know, I can't tell you how appreciative we are and the courage that uh, that you're giving our audience today by sharing both these stories. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And, and Theo, your, your connection one-to-one in terms of similarities with McKenna, I, I'm going to bring Mark and Kim in because mm-hmm. Theo brought up the term t- trauma. Darren, I know you had something you wanted to add in here, so I didn't want to step on your toes. But before bringing uh, Mark and Kim in, was there anything you want to add as well? Well, I, you know, I'm the the media member on this panel, so I'm always talking about the synthesis of story and how we learn about story. And, you know, we we, we talk over and over again at nauseum about how, uh, you know, the, the, the media fails to connect stories. And when they don't connect stories, it is unhelpful. Um, and so the issue that we have and, and what has been, so great about the parents that we have on today through um, Tyler's story and McKenna's story is that the life after comes through the continuance of telling their story. 
because without it, it it allows the media and society to stop and to and to and to isolate and to say it is it is part of a unique situation of circumstance within Tyler and McKenna's life, which it is not. It is it both happened because of everything around them, the factors of everything going on around them. And so so it is so important and and just so amazing and how we appreciate this because I am part of a story um, that I've never told, um, but I'll tell now and I'm going to keep some specifics out to protect the family because they they have not done it the way that I would do it. But but someone that is close uh, whose son died by suicide and they did take the route of shutting down and it's everyone's route to take. They deserve any route they want, but I've seen what has happened as a result of shutting down. And not only does it create the talk about that individual's story and doesn't really further that individual beyond that day that they died, but it doesn't contribute to saving anyone else or, uh, understanding society's place in how we can get better. And so I just wanted to talk about that since I'm always talking about, you know, how the media plays all this, how important it is for the media to have a synthesis of story instead of these one-offs that just pigeonhole us all into, it was a unique set of circumstance. No, 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 it wasn't. Yeah. And you and you and Theo, you know, the reason I asked that question, the connection point as as I go back to Mark and Kim is because so Katie Meyer, her death happens. And then shortly after Robert Martin, the goalie from Binghamton, his suicide happens. And there's no national media that's bringing together both D1 athletes, both goalies, both die by suicide. Forget about for a second, Theo, that trauma underlies all of it. I can't find any paper, let alone news station, TV station that's connecting all this. And it's it's tearing me apart. And then shortly after, we have the loss in Wisconsin. Then we have the loss of James Madison softball player. And then we have the loss down University in Southern, right? On top of, the, on top of the, those higher level athletes, just because of the people that have gravitated towards McKenna's site and that there like was a, a girl hockey player in Michigan, a high school girl hockey player in Michigan. There was a soccer player in New Jersey. There's about three or four other high school athletes who just this fall since the start of school have taken their lives as well that we're aware of. And, and Hunter, all we're trying to do is point out, and, and, and this is why I want to bring Kim Mark back into it, is all we're trying to do, that that is like the most direct connection. Like college athlete, goalie, Division one, how much more of a connection could you want in those two? And that's not even threaded together. And then to Darren's point, there's this graphic we share. You're seeing all the faces. Now it's starting to connect a little bit. Mark and Kim get asked to go on the Today Show. That's the first attempt I saw, at least, from a media trying to thread it together. But to Darren's point, that's not a continued thing. So in bringing back what Theo shared, he's got a direct you know, experience, let's say, with sexual abuse that that connects on the level of what McKenna went through. Kim, you and I are friends just as like friends and we talk offline about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the media sometimes will take a story like Tyler's story 
and they'll say like, oh, football player CTE. Or, or they'll say, you know, they'll give a single reason for, and then it's never connected to a story like McKenna, female hockey player, and they're disconnected. So so I guess the first question for you would be, do, do you ever think about, and, and the, the example I gave you, Kim, was, bo- I, I'm, a, I'm one of three boys. I don't, I never told my mom about relationships with girls, right? That's just something I didn't do. I wasn't open about it. So can a guy ever be broken up with and it crushes them, right? Like you think about all these things that that boys or girls go through that they don't share with their parents. When you think about what, what Theo shared about trauma, do you ever look back and try to piece together Tyler's life and say, well, he did go through this, he did go through that. Maybe these are some of the things that were contributing to kind of the weight becoming heavy over time? Um, every day, of course. Okay. But I wanted to touch really quick on... Uh, the word trauma, I mean, we travel around the country, right? We were in, I don't know how many universities. We've been to over 150 universities and colleges and high schools sharing Tata's story in our journey. But one of the things that, that Mark always says to these student athletes is that you don't need a tragedy to ask for help. And so, you know, Mark says it better than I do, but, um, there's so many student athletes out there and you're talking about, you know, these high pressure, um, you, you, they have to perform well, they have to get great grades, D1 level, right? And I mean, I guess that is the trauma, uh, but they, they, I think they see it as something actually has to happen to them for them to seek help. And that's just, that's just not the case. <clears throat> Mark, Mark wanted to share there. I, it, Mark, I, I, the way that Kim says you you talk about it to, to to watch Theo's head shake, and I'm someone who hears Theo talk about trauma every day, and he's just backing what both of you say because what I'm hearing between McKenna's story and Tyler's story, and this is Mark, why I want you to dive deeper into <laughs> what you share with the schools, is because the takeaway when people hear McKenna and Theo, they they see oh sexual abuse that was the trauma. And then they go, well, there's the explanation for it. And they don't think about all the other things that contributed. And then in Tyler's case, you didn't hear of a specific trauma, but things are cumulative. So, Mark, you want to take it from there? Um, yeah, sure. I First of all, you know, to, to Hunter and Cheryl, I, I'm just, um, I'm so sorry that you, you I, we, we hear this every day and, and we, we feel it every day and losing McKenna, um, regardless of the circumstances is, is the most pain I know that you're going through and it's, you know, to, to even have a conversation about it, it can be difficult. What we, what Kim's referring to and what, what we've done, Eric, um, and you've, you saw sort of the first generation of, of a Tyler talk, but I was listening to, to Theo talk earlier and, how important stories are. And, it, and you know, when you think we, we tell this thing, we've named it, Kim named it Tyler Talk, a Tyler Talk. And, and some school sort of in the middle a few years ago um, sent out a flyer, you know, to get people to come. And it said, um, come and see Tyler Talks. And it was, it was pl- plural or, or possessive. And we thought about that for a minute and it's, it's we, not it stopped us in our tracks. We're like, yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's not a Tyler talk is literally a series of three or four stories that are woven together with some background information. And, and we think, and, and so I was so pleased to hear, hear Theo talk so importantly about stories because 
what, what we know, Kim and I are not mental health professionals. We're not public speakers. Um, we show that, we show that every time we go up to do these, but, but the story of Tyler, if you will, is, and this is why I find it fascinating and, and so different. And McKenna is, is so much more than, you know, an assault and a, and a trauma and, and super complex. So, so is Tyler, <clears throat> excuse me, but, um, the the thing the thing that we're trying to get across in this Tyler talk one of the one of the themes is um, as difficult as it is to listen to the story McKenna's story and the facets of it Theo's story from long ago doesn't make it any less important today listening to those we that does make public um, commentary right school newspapers and local tv stations and stuff and we we see those things pop up and stuff but in tyler's case let me let me just share with you that part of the story at least because in tyler's case what we shared with the, these guys and kim's right at the beginning i said look if you get nothing else out of this we hope you get one thing and that is you don't need you don't need i literally say you don't need a trauma to ask for help because trauma which which I want to touch on in a, just a second trauma can be identified so differently by so many people right and what's traumatic to one may not be to another and and all that but in Tyler's case I learned this after at, at the memorial service after Tyler passed his best friend on the team was a six-year senior his dad played in the league he's six foot six this beautiful kid um yeah his name's CJ Dimery and CJ, uh, I had known, you know, we knew his family, you know, you know how Cougs and, and all sport, collegiate sport families get together because we realize what it actually means to be a D1 athlete. It's not what everybody thinks it means. And so we got to know them real well. And, and so CJ, after I had given Tyler's memorial service or talk, I said, um, and this is the story I tell the kids. I said, CJ came up to me and he said, hey, Mr. Linsky, can I ask you something? Yeah, of, you know, of course, CJ goes, well, you know, and he, he's, a, you know, he's 22. He, he's like, you know, he's smiling a little bit and giggling at a totally inopportune, you know, it's not the right time for that, but it's just his personality coming out. He says, well, you know, you know how I don't have a car, right? And, and yeah, I, I know that you don't have a car. And, and I'm, and I'm, guys, I'm as bad as you are now and and always will be you know things are terrible and it's an awful day and there's people that love tyler and love us and that are there so so he asked me he said that the thing i wanted to ask you um but you need to understand i, I lost my mom to cancer when i was five now we had never met his mom we met his stepmom we didn't really put it together but he said, we lost, I lost my mom. I've been going to therapy since I was five years old, you know, sometimes twice a week, sometimes I skip a year, you know, and he, he gave me this little picture of it. And I, so I'm trying, you know, you can only imagine I'm sitting there listening to it. And I'm trying to figure out where he's going, like I do with everything instead of just listening. And so I listened to him and he said, here's the thing. <clears throat> and he didn't give a particular, but he, I think he was referencing the last six months. So he said, Tyler took me to my appointments. They weren't that far away. Um, <clears throat> weather's not as bad as Canada, I suppose, but Washington's pretty close, you know, especially in the winter. And so, so he, he drew this picture of Tyler driving and going to get burritos or tacos, you know, 
waiting for him and then picking him up. And he, and CJ said, you know, sometimes we sit and talk about my appointment for an hour in the car, you know, snow coming out, glued to the set, as it were, you know. And other times it's the girls and in football and what's going on. And then then it then it sort of hits me, you know. Um, he said Tyler was twi- it it's hard to say. <clears throat> to the kids, but he said he's twenty feet from help. So, you know, I thought about that since then, you know, I have a a lot of questions for Tyler. Um, But the question ultimately was, why didn't you ask for help? Yeah. And so I thought about that and talked to Kim. And about a year and a half ago, it hit me. I don't know what I was doing. I was here in South Carolina. But it hit me. If... If you would, if you had the chance to ask Tyler, he would have said, "Dad, his mom died. <laughs> of course, he needs help. What's wrong with me?" Right. He needed. He needed a reason. He needed a reason. He needed a reason. But and so, and, but that, but that is also the culture that yeah. we've created around this subject, mm-hmm. which is, which is, you know, like I grew up in the suck it up era. No wonder I had a gun in my mouth 15 years ago, 17 years ago, because we weren't allowed to be vulnerable. Right. Especially in, in the sport that I played, you know, it's, it's a warrior sport. Like it's a warrior mm-hmm. sport. And then if you're a superstar and the game's tied two two, and there's five minutes left in the game, the coach ain't looking at the fourth line guy. He's looking right directly at you and saying, you better go out and get this done. And if you fail, what do you do? You spend the whole entire night up all night playing scenarios through your head thinking, well, what if I would have did this? Or what if I would have did that? That's trauma. As you're saying that, as, as you know, Mark said, trauma is different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we use the example all the time. Someone goes on an airplane well, when they were three years old, if they went through terrible turbulence and their parents didn't react, they kept on to that fear of, oh, my God, a plane could fall out of the sky at any moment. And then someone flies on a plane with no problem at all. And it's trauma to one person to get on a plane, not trauma to another person. Mark and Kim, as you tell your story and you're talking about Tyler's friend and that Tyler would take him to therapy and that you think Tyler would say, well, what do I have to go for? He lost his mother. Tyler was a compassionate person. He had a heart when you're in a car waiting for a friend who's in therapy, whose mother passed away. Guess what that does? That weighs on you. That's heavy on you. And I, and, and we, we see this with caregivers. We see in, in this idea of what trauma, I mean, I think the, 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 what's so poignant about having both these families together right now is diving deep into your stories the media, the way that they would cover the story and the way they have covered the story in the short sound bites that they get is you get three minutes, you get five minutes, and that's it. And so they hear McKenna, sexual abuse. They hear Tyler, CTE, and that's and, it. And, and they then, don't hear the accumulation of stuff over time. Yes, Hunter. 
I was just going to say, and then different, because McKenna's, um, you know, I'll touch on this in a second, but different medias, depending on what story they're covering, drive a different angle. Because I told, we talked about this on the phone, McKenna's kind of a Venn diagram of all the things that can possibly go wrong. And she walked really close to the edge of the cliff for quite a while. You know, she had, she had a concussion history. She was a sexual assault victim. Uh, she was betrayed, humiliated by friends over social media. She was a student, a high-functioning student athlete, you know, and she had underlying mental health issues as a result of it all. She was this Venn diagram of everything that could go wrong, yet she was, you know, a highly successful, highly successful socially, athletic, and academically, and masked it all really well, even though she was walking close to this edge, and then got pushed off at the tail end. Um, but then with the social media, you know, so different social media with telling McKenna's story, they focus and jump on that piece they want to tell. Like Dr. Phil, his was on bullying. Uh, you know, another, the ABC local news, theirs was on the, the failure of the school system. Uh, Nancy Grace, hers was on, you know, bullying again. They, they focus on that piece. and they, So they let that piece of the story that, drive their, that their drives their agenda for that particular issue instead of looking at the overall picture. And this is why Darren says, is, you know, the, he's like the media guy on this is the media will, this is, this is addiction. This is overdose. This is um, fentanyl. This is, uh, and, and I know some of these things sound the same. That's because they are the same. This is bipolar versus this is depression versus this is anxiety versus this is suicide versus this is overdose. And whatever the thread is that they want to put this into, these all sound like different things. And when you look at that picture, Darren, when you see all those different faces that you called the Brady Bunch kind of, you know, picture, so to speak, it's you, even within those stories being told, even within individual pieces of each of their stories being told, there's pieces of their story that aren't being shared. That makes all this commonality, the common underlying piece of this being emotional pain, let's call it that, if we want to go away from the word trauma, and that emotional pain leads towards maladaptive coping mechanisms. And by the way, for anyone who's thinking when I'm referring to maladaptive coping mechanisms, I'm thinking of just drugs or just alcohol. I just came from an event that in Miami that was called Recovery Day. And my my message to that crowd in Recovery Day was, it's not about drugs and alcohol. It's about what we use because my maladaptive coping mechanism was using work to avoid all the shit that I dealt with as a child growing up. I didn't know it at the time. And to Mark's point, Tyler probably didn't know it. Whatever the stuff was that was collectively building and, and, and where I want to turn this into the action item piece now for, for, for all of us is, you know, Tyler, you know, Kim and Kim and Mark, you talk about the Tyler talks, right. And, and using it in the right um, verbiage. Um, and I'm sorry that it's been referred to in the wrong way. Let's start with the first piece. Does it drive you actually crazy and I'm, I'm using that term because it does for me, that the first thing that you hear from schools, colleges or high schools is we're doing more because we hired more counselors. And to think that just hiring simply making the decision of hiring more mental health professionals means we've solved it. We're putting resources towards it. You got to remember our, our background, Eric, was that Washington State had one half of one FTE. Right. Sort yeah. of. Yeah, he his job was the mental health of the student athletes. Now, five hundred and sixty five scholarship student athletes. He had no training. He he wasn't licensed in any way. 
And so when we found it, when we were trying to track all this down, some, one of the girlfriends or teammates said that he, he was having dark thoughts that last week after the bowl game or just before the bowl game. And he said, well, I'm talking to Jerry and my parents about it. Well, Jerry is this guy and it's not Jerry's fault. I'm not, I'm not picking on Jerry, but the background there was we assumed that everyone was like Washington state. They had no resources. They didn't care about it. I could give you a, a, a whole full on lecture about what um, WSU and the Jed foundation twisted the, the, the very old research now on um, contagion on contagion yep. um, and then went out and completely did the opposite of everything. So we, we came from that environment thinking that no one did. So when you ask it, so it's funny, Eric, so I don't shake my head now and say, that's a bad thing because it's such a big, a bigger step from one, but a totally and I, I, Mark, I didn't mean that in terms of hiring more counselors is bad. Right. I, and, and, and right. Giving me the bad. what I'm saying is that seems to be the single solitary answer. And I'll yeah. use Tyler's case as an example. When you're sharing to me that he had those dark thoughts, here's where my mind goes. If these college campuses had programs on there, like Tyler talks before yeah. That incident never happened. And culture change had come about. Mike Tyler, maybe the, maybe the campus didn't have the resources, but Mike Tyler have heard that talk and said, oh, it doesn't take me having to have my mom having passed away to go and ask for help. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. No, it's exactly what about what about I know I listen, I I I love Northwestern, but one of my most painful points, as you know, Eric, right? Like I I decided to contribute to this because of my love for mental health and my battle and then you know we're going to all these schools and we're going to northwestern and they say we don't like your name and i'm like what like after everything i've done for the damn school and they don't like our name and so i can go to michigan and indiana and give talks and they don't like our name and then and then a student athlete dies by suicide Let's yeah. give and some like, let's give specifics like, on that, Darren, because I think it's important, and I think it probably plays like into something. That more, well, so so we started as an organization, and we still use it. We use it on the podcast. We're all a little crazy, crazy in quotes, and the mental health professionals from a clinical perspective will say the word "crazy" means, and this is what it elicits. Our take on it was: you've separated society into one of five people who are impacted four and five people who are healthy, fine, and okay. We need to start talking to people in the terminology that they use. When I look at Darren's hat and I say that hat is crazy cool, or I look at Hunter's glasses, I say, you look crazy good in those glasses. I'm not saying your glasses are mentally ill or your hat is mentally ill. I'm using it in, in now. That being said, with the feedback, we move to more of same here, same here global. I, I would assume Mark and Kim, when people hear Tyler talks, have you ever had feedback or do you ever have fear that an, a school might say, well, that's very specific to Tyler, or that doesn't speak to the whole student body, or in, in, 
I'm sure there's many reasons as, as you answer that question, I'll give this one little tidbit and I, I won't reveal the school because I don't want to sc- throw a school under a bus, but Darren knows this when we were about to launch our same here, sit downs program back in 2018, we chose 15 colleges and universities. One college came to us two days before the event and said, the university unfortunately can't run this event anymore, but we'll pass you to the students who can run it. And when I spoke to the students, I wanted to find out why, right? The, the, the university wasn't going to be open and tell me. And the, the students told me that if the school brings on outside folks like a Tyler's Talk, like Same Here Global, they are fearful that if there is a suicide a week, a month, three months, five months after the event, that that administrator for making the decision of bringing the program on campus, well, now their tenure job will be at risk because and I'm thinking to myself, and you're not at risk to Darren's point with Northwestern for not bringing a, a, a program on campus. How are you not at risk for that? Everyone should hear about what you're declining. So, Mark, you're shaking your head. I want to hear you. Well, it's it's just it's unbelievable to me because we had the same problem. You know, we talked about it in depth, but um, the idea. So you're you're prioritizing future potential suicides against the kids in that room that need it need permission, not from us, but you know, they, they need to be jolted into, Hey, you know what? Thinking about hurting myself or other people isn't normal. It's fixable along. And so along with um, the words, and I I think we, we spend a great deal of time thinking about and and being real careful about them. We tell the kids and and this is not instructional, but we say, we don't use committed suicide anymore. So what drives me crazy is listening to people that say, you know, a 16 year old committed suicide. She didn't commit suicide. She didn't com- just like she couldn't have committed cancer. You can't commit ALS, right? So, so this idea of committed and it has legal ramifications back in sixties, but, but the idea most important that we're trying to get to these student athletes is it's not your fault. I, I think there's, you know, especially with our student athletes, they they seem to they have to solve everything they have to be you know orthopedically correct uh, height and weight and then they struggle there's so many eating disorders and, and we could go on and on but but the idea that we um at least for me and I, I mean kim can jump in too but for me the you you said this a little bit earlier eric we think of tyler being in the audience right we the only way to go to 150 of these and and do them with with honor and, and transparency is the thought that whatever we tell, however poorly we tell it, how choked up I get or 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 blow through them, you know, because we're running out of time, whatever that is, that it that it's more than they had before they got there. And and we've gotten the feedback. So what those what those presidents and chancellors that for me, the number of lives you didn't save. Yes because you're because you're afraid of your own and and i understand that even i i totally get it but let's get past that to to be where is the guy that needs to stand up and say it we understand this research we appreciate it there's a right way to do this we're not honoring the fact that mckenna died by suicide or tyler died by suicide. that doesn't make them better we're as pissed off and angry and sad as any couple of parents can be just like the other 123 today and tomorrow and you know what are we 15 percent of that box so i mean we're losing uh, we're losing too many and so when i when i hear that the people that really in charge of resources 
um, mission statements for the campuses, and then things like I can't, I don't want you here because the name of the organization is creates some kind of problem. Like it, it's we, the we need we need Mark we 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 need overcorrecting, not underdoing, right? We need yeah. we need we need to overcorrect, right? So like. My pain when when I, I I was obsessed with the news when I was younger. It's what made me a newsman. I watched news when I was six years old. It's also why I didn't have Tylenol for two years because the Tylenol poisoning and that led me to go. My my parents progressively in 1987 took me to a psychologist, and I was with that psychologist for three or four years. And the time it wasn't normalizing anything; it was just doing what it is. But now, but now, and I think Tyler was going he was specifically driving his best friend on the team there was something more to that in that he needed permission and it's one of the greatest stories i've ever heard about this and i i hope people understand that like that's that's a big thing i've now overcorrected and all three of my children go to therapists and guess what they didn't have to have a reason to go to a therapist and I, so we need to be overcorrecting here instead of underdoing that's what this is about well, and, which 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 oh. you're being proactive instead of reactive, and that's where we have to get to, and that's I think what essentially we're all trying to. But, but Theo, look, look is, at what's happening. To be proactive, to put protocols in place, so that we don't have to be reactive. Okay, but look, but Theo, look, I'm, I'm I think all of us are in agreement that we need to be proactive, and I think the reason why we're together is we're going to call some stuff out. That is happening, okay? You know, Mark, I, the reason I brought up the counselor thing versus the programming thing, because now we're diving into the nuance of what do we actually do? When when Hunter and and Cheryl are sharing, you know, the the, how, the school's reaction, and we want to hear more specifically about, you know, what their reaction was, Hunter and Cheryl, I'll tell you, in the college space, another thing that drives me crazy is we lose these uh, beautiful kids to suicide, and- you know, I'm, right now I'm talking in the athlete community only because it's it's that common connection. But I see these announcements of the, the the face of the child, the years that they lived, we mourn the loss of, and there's no mention of suicide. By the way, when the parents have come out and said that it was suicide, I respect privacy when the parents don't want to share it. I get it. I don't love it, but I get it because- yeah. It's the parents' right of what should and shouldn't be shared at that point. But you have parents willing to be open, and the schools are saying, okay, we we have to acknowledge it, but we can't use that word because it can't show up in a Google search, and it can't be associated with our school. And just to go back to the therapist on campus thing, that's kind of like uh, you can lead a horse to water. It really, it just doesn't work. Um, you know. I'm no NHL athlete, but I grew up in lacrosse and hockey locker rooms my entire life. I was a paratrooper in the military, and now I'm a fire, firefighter. And the fire service has a devastating long history of mental health issues, as does law enforcement. It was the same culture as, you know, the NHL. You just, you don't talk about it. You don't address it. Um, I or, always you, like or you could come see us, but you could only see us three times. It's written down. And and we we have to, exactly. we, we have to legally check in with people. To, in and the, ter and the term, if you need it need yes. is only, and, if and you need it they might be there and if you do you sure as hell don't want to talk about it because your buddies are going to be relentless on you over it um and in the county in which i work there's 18 different fire departments and up until last year the one i worked for was the only one that has not been touched by suicide in the last 20 years of my career including a guy that i went to the fire academy with a couple that i've worked with over the years 
uh, actually, I think three that I've worked with over the years. And now just now the fire service is actually getting out in front of it, starting to get on the see something, say something and starting to address it and all that. And taking that, trying to take that stigma away. And I know the term they use in hockey, uh, our son's third jersey has it on the back, is stick it to stigma. I think it's changing the culture on top of just getting the therapists on, on campus and that sort of stuff, especially in like a, a sports or law enforcement or fire service kind of environment where, you know, you can't, like, like Theo said, you can't, sh you can't show them that you're suffering, you know. Hurting is that, not that, cool. that culture change is what's needed. You know, I, when Mark and Kim, when you go on campus, because this is the work that Cheryl and Hunter, I'm assuming you're going to be doing the rest of your lives. It's the work I've chosen to do. Theo's chosen to do. And then Darren, thank you. You know, you've chosen to do. But but Mark and Kim, like when you connect with the campuses that get it. OK, and, and I'm not asking you for specifics because then we're pointing one campus against another. Yeah. But there, let's be honest, there is a difference between a campus that says, hey, Mark and Kim, it's May, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, can you come and talk? And it's like, check the box, we did it. Versus the campuses that understand, because I've seen your programs, you, Kim, you shared your materials with me. You have programmatic pieces that are ongoing. Mm -hmm. How different is it in a community when you're actually providing resources and ongoing conversation? I'll, I'll tell you all from the professional sports standpoint, because, you know, Hunter, you you addressed you know the counselor and and we were being facetious. You can only lead a horse to water. NBA and NFL require mental health professionals right now. Guess what? The players go. That's not me still, because what are the stories that are out there in professional sports? Kevin Love has anxiety. Michael Phelps has depression. The second you go to the mental health professional, it's what's wrong with me, as opposed to people understanding this is a discussion about life discuss about the challenges we face this is not the discussion about putting a label on you so i just i you know I'm, I'm assuming mark and kim that at least the culture change that you've seen on the campuses that get it, it it's got to be very rewarding to see it happen when when you start to see the cultures on campus and changing yeah a couple things um i i could add there um most campuses do get it I, we, I mean, I don't think we've really been on a campus, Mark, where usually the ADs are there, um, head coaches, staff. We were just at University of uh, Southern California a month or so ago. I just got an email from their baseball coach. He was at one of our title talks while we were there. And so we hear back from, you know, the coaches and the ADs. I, I think they do get it. The probably the universities that we haven't been to, maybe those are the ones that, you know, that don't get it, but you maybe have been to those. Um, they, they reach out to us. We don't reach out to anybody. I think that's the same way with, with you, Eric, too. We've never contacted a school, maybe except for Washington state and said, Hey, we want to come and talk to you. They, they brought us there. Um, and the media really, um, you know, you touched on this earlier. They've been kind to us too. There was one newspaper, and I think it was USA Today, that pounced on the CTE. Um, and we know Tatter had CTE because we sent his brain to the Mayo Clinic for an autopsy. So we, but we don't know how how much of a part of CTE played in, in Tatter's decision to take his life. I do think it was some part. But so we've sort of driven the media to tell our story the way we want it to be told. And they've they've they have. I mean, ESPN has been great. Sports Illustrated has been great. 
the Today Show, we were on there twice. The first time it was about CTE. And I think we were just sort of in a fog. It was like eight months after Tyler had passed. Looking back at it, would I have gone on it to just talk about CTE? No. The second time it was better with the other families that were on there. Um, I don't know, Mark, have you, have you really felt any pushback from universities when we go? No, I think it's more subtle than that. You know, it's, it's yeah. even the ones we get to that are Eric's point about checking the box. I think there's been a couple of those for sure that, and, and you know, it, it's like everything else in life. You, you vote with your presence, you know, when athletic director, or the associate athletic directors don't show up or the head football coach, the highest paid guy on the campus doesn't show up that you're voting with your feet a little bit on that. And, and so the most, the thing we heard a lot, you know, and, and this is hardly research, but the thing we heard a lot in the beginning that we don't hear as much now from the student athletes after our talk is at the beginning, they used to say, regardless of the sport, this could be women's soccer, it could be men's golf, it could be football. And they say, if my head coach doesn't buy into this, guys, nothing's going to change. So they're all shaking their heads. Yes, we're going to do all these things. And then they kind of, you know, the the kids at least are are smart enough to realize this won't work unless they do. And I think just as informational, it's funny. I used to think this was a generational issue and that as we rotate guys out, but then I can tell you about what Saban, Coach Saban has done at Alabama, what Sweeney's done at Clemson, and and their, most importantly, their student athletes commentary about those things. Um, and they're still successful on the field. And, and that's true. I can go down the line for schools and in sports. But um, so I don't think necessarily that's the case. I worry the most about the ones that only think they need to be tougher and that they, they alone can overcome this. And then you, you ask them the same questions like, where would you go if you were diagnosed with cancer? I'd go to an oncologist. I'd find the best one. I had heart surgery. I had to find the best heart surgeon at UCLA, and I'm so grateful I did. That's what I would do with a mental health issue. What I'm, what we're trying to, I mean, all of us collectively and, and through our stories and telling and talking. I think what, what, what Mark and Kim are doing with the Tyler talks, and, and I, it's going to, it's going to tie back to what Kim shared and Kim, I hope you don't mind this. I'm going to challenge you in like a collaborative way, right? In, in this way. So tell and you could, you could tell me, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think that the reception that we get on campus when we go to these is great. Mm -hmm. So the buy-in is there. When you're talking to me on the media things, I see the way they tell your story the way you want it. I think it's there. Here's the issue that I'm having in both cases, both on the campus and with media. Look at what's happening here. Look at the thread and the commonality here. Okay. So let's take college campuses. Awesome that they get it, that they buy in, and we're we're there. But the nuance that Mark just talked about is every single leader in the room. That's number one, right? That's a detail of them getting it. Next step, what's the immediate follow-up after a Tyler talk happens? Where is there the SAC group, right? The Student Athlete Advisory Council getting together and saying, okay, we just got vulnerability shared with us. How do we capitalize on vulnerability and ask our captains to be vulnerable okay the Helinski group was in here right now what tool can we be using to actually track and open up and share and see how we're Thank moving you. on yeah. continue right like so i think there's receptivity kim i absolutely believe that and and there's camaraderie when we're on what there's not is sustainable programming that's my challenge number one on the campuses for them to go like this is a big enough issue 
that holy shit, like having a talk come in and it being a great talk alone isn't enough. And we got to, we got to, in every way of campus life, athletes and non-athletes included, how do we weave this in? The part with the media, which upsets me is yes, they'll, especially as they, they start to trust you and they become friends with you, they'll tell your story your way. But Kim, here's where I'm going to hold their feet to the fire. Every time there's an athlete suicide, and maybe you wouldn't want this personally because it'd be a lot on you, but why aren't they referencing back to one of the most high-profile suicides that happened early on in college sports, Tyler Holinsky? When there's a high school suicide, why aren't they referencing back to McKenna or a suicide in hockey? Why aren't they referencing back to McKenna? I'm not seeing the thread of we got an issue here, there's commonality here, and this is not a one-off because – the skeptic in me says it gets more eyeballs when it seems like it's a train wreck by itself. And that's what's upsetting to me. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I get proven wrong. But that and and I'm I'm asking hard questions because I want there to be change. And I don't see the change happening fast enough when there's a there shouldn't be two more couples sitting here like this, having to go through this pain. And I know we're never gonna stop at 100 percent but that's why I'm pushing the envelope a little bit. Is that is that does that does that make sense? And, and, and again, I don't want to I don't want to be throwing our campus partners under the bus because I think a lot of them do great things. I want to push them more. I want to push the media more to actually take that next step with us. Well, I mean, I remember just reading headlines after we lost was it six female student athletes, collegiate student athletes? You know, uh, January to June, you know, crisis. Um, and you know, suicide crisis, and and the fact that the female was just that much harder to take. So I think the media does see it and they have put that term crisis on it. Um, when, when Tata first died, I remember I just wanted to do brain surgery and heart surgery on, you know, on that whole system, right? And and fix it. Um, and, you know, we did a lot of research. You talk about um, when we go and we do a Tata talk, we have something that's called Helinski's Hope Game Plan. And it's basically what you do right. with your student athletes after the title talk, how to unpack it, you know, uh, and how to, like you said, continue, you, you know, the education. Um, I don't, I don't know what they do when we leave. Right. I don't know what they do when we so leave. I, I'm going to come, I'm going to combine two of the things you just said and, and, and Hunter and, and, and Cheryl, chime in from a high school perspective, you see this. But so I brought up that when schools mention the loss of an athlete, they don't mention that it's suicide. And then you're saying in the media, they might say you might have seen six female athlete suicides. Could you imagine the positive change that would happen if these colleges that lost student athletes to suicide acknowledge that it was suicide? And then when a new suicide happened goes, we just lost so-and-so we mourn the loss of the next one. We're all in this together. As well, opposed to pretending it happened already on our campus, we're moving away from it because we didn't use it in the first place and this doesn't apply to us, right? And I think that's that's the thing that's eating away at me is like, it's there. We live it day to day. And so maybe Hunter and Cheryl, we're taking for granted that we see the trend because we live in it every day. We see the trend and we want to shake people and open them up. Be like, it's here, it's here, it's here. How do you not see it? Well, to have six in one high school over six years. And the fact that we didn't know about the other ones, had those yeah. conversations been taking place and not yes. slept 
under the rugs. Yes. We would have had those opportunities to talk to McKenna about it. We would have known there was a more pervasive problem that's, you know, become an epidemic, but they choose not to talk about it. Yes, they absolutely choose not to use the word suicide and, you know, mental health, this, the resources that was just mentioned earlier, mentioned earlier, the resources are not there. There's like a, a half of a therapist that the county shares and that's just going back to the therapists on campus after McKenna passed. That was the one thing the school did on like the first few days of school, they had therapists there and then they were like, well, nobody used them anyway. So, you know, but they didn't make the announcement. They didn't make the announcement that she passed away. I'm like, so how do you expect them to use those resources that you brought in? If you never even made an announcement that she had passed and away then, and then nobody used them. So they were like, well, we're not doing that. anymore." Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, so, so when it's not... When it's not, and this is where I'm going to go to Theo, because this Theo is an expert in this space. I've heard him talk about it brilliantly. When it's not talked about openly, let's, I mean, we're talking about programming, but now let's talk specifically about the term suicide and what happens. When it's not talked about openly, what is created, Theo? What word? Shame, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what does shame do then to future help seeking? Back to Mark's point about thinking about shame, shame, shame kills, right? Shame, resentment, guilt, you know, all those negative emotions. That's that's what kills, right? And and by suppressing, which is what uh, McKenna's school did, they suppressed. You well, know, don't you suppress it like ongoing suppression, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, mm-hmm. let's call it what it is. It's, it's yeah. still not being addressed. Yeah. Well, and big pharma owns mental health. So they own the messaging, they own the cures, they own, they own it all. Right. So a group like us comes along and wants to actually talk about, you know, uh, what's really going on. Well, yeah, we, we get suppressed on social media too of our messaging right so so um you know I, i'm nothing shocks me anymore as to how society has handled this you know over the years and and uh i don't know what needs to happen in order for for this to to change but well, what, what needs to happen know, theo what, you know as you talk about you uh, you said the, the most important point that shame kills and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm going back to what Mark shared earlier, because it's the work that him and Kim do. It's the work that we do on campus. It's the work that Mc, that um, McKenna's family is going to do is the calculation has to be made for for everyone who is a decision maker on high school campuses and on college campuses. For every kid you think you're saving by sweeping it under the rug, how many lives are you ruining? And, and by the way, ruining a life doesn't just mean we lost them to suicide five years down the road, 10 years down the road. It means they end up homeless. It means they end up overdosing and maybe they don't die from the overdose, but it leaves them impaired in a major way. By not addressing it, we are hurting more people. I can't say that more clearly. 
Right. And, and, and I hope that's what the takeaway from these conversations that we're having here. And, and, and Kim, I think we are addressing it and that the campuses are bringing us on, mm-hmm. but I don't think policy-wise, I'm with you. Like when we go on campus and then we give them tools for afterwards, what does that follow-up look like? Eric, uh, did, did you hear the story? There is a young man, um, a former football player, five to 10 years retired, um, played for a big school in the Midwest and went missing, Okay. And, and, and this is, this has happened more than once. And we were, we were alerted by a, a friend of a friend. Right. And, you know, we're very careful with what we put on Helinski's hope for that matter. You know, we, we don't want to be in anybody's business that doesn't want our help. And, and here's what I saw happen in the period of 24 hours, this request to find a kid in the Pacific Northwest who was missing quote unquote missing um, the family uh, required the local press to do a re, um, redact, a re- rewrite. Yeah, yeah, redact um, of what the cops said. And, the, and what the cops mentioned, what the police mentioned when they were looking for him is that this young man gave a little bit of his background and said that he had <laughs> mental health issues. And, the, and so before we were gonna put this out on the website to our Pacific Northwest guys look for this kid, the family through this connection was was asked about this because we don't want to make it more painful for them but the power that the the press has if you can imagine reading that i've been asked to find a kid out of nine million people in seattle i'm trying to do that for his benefit but the family doesn't want it in fact so doesn't want mental health tied to this issue and they're still missing their kid that they had the police redact it so, so any reference to mental illness? And, I, and you health. said at the beginning, families have the the right to do whatever they want. I'm just pointing out that it can be tricky sometimes when 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 that's the issue. And so that to me applies to exactly what you're saying on campus. They're saying this. They're we're seeing the same exact thing. They they don't their their future. Plus, it's let's be honest, Eric. It's easier to do nothing. It's cheaper to do nothing. We went to Washington State, had raised almost a quarter million dollars and said, all we want to do, this is, Holinsky's hope would have never existed. We said, we want to give you the money to hire the people you need to help. And they said, no, thank you. Absolutely don't need it or want it. We get, we wrote out this 10 page, 10 part plan of, and, and you, you can appreciate this. We had things like retire his number temporarily retire it in for three years the number three and in three years you're going to have the world's best campus sports psychology service whatever you do whatever you do just take the opportunity they just didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole and i think that that's the one thing that hasn't changed and you just articulated a number of them well hang on hang on eric so so instead of uh, using the word stigma, do we use the word shame? Do we swap it out? I don't love the term stigma when we're trying to make change happen because stigma means that human beings are forming unfair opinions and judgments about another human being. When we say stop, stomp, break, erase, slap, strike out, kick, we're saying you group of people over there who are forming unfair opinions and judgments about this group of people who are the affected group, you need to stop doing what you're doing, right? It almost puts us back into those binaries again. And uh, the reason why I love what Kim and Mark do with the talks, the reason why we do them with the talks, and the reason why I'm I'm so thankful to you, Hunter and Cheryl, for the way that you're sharing the story is, Theo, I think the only way 
that this concept of stigma goes away is not by standing up on on the perch and saying stop the stigma it's by sharing stories and showing that everyone is affected and to mark's point about that group you know on on campus where tyler went that didn't want to take the resources that didn't want to take the help the reason they don't want to take those resources they don't want to take the help is because still in 2022 the term mental health is interchangeable with the term mental illness and they yeah. think that if you talk about mental health generally, you're talking about this thing specifically called disorder. And by the way, there is no disease that you can find in the body that definitively says that Theo has PTSD, I have depression, Mark has ADD, doesn't exist. So what are we shy from when we all live on this continuum that's moving up and down? There's nothing to shy away from. We all have physical health that's impacted. We all have mental health that's impacted. Until schools get that, I don't know that the PR changes. And and Mark, to your point about um, that, it you know, the cost, I, I'd only hopefully challenge the schools in this way. When you bury it and you lose more students down the road and they're an alum and they die by suicide or there's an overdose, do the cost benefit analysis there. Because if if you don't think it, if you think it's it's saving you money to not have to dress it right now, what is the long-term ramification when there's more terrible outcomes? They already come up with it. Look, they sent the entire team down on a charter, right? And that they found 10 counselors magically to show up on campus the day after Tyler died. That's 150 grand, you know, what? pick a number, sure, it's 100 sure. grand. It, it, you could have had one full-time FTE and maybe prevented something like this. Like that, and I get, listen, emergencies are emergencies and urgent, but but to me, this is this is almost like the worst case of throwing your hands up. There's nothing else we can do. so. Let's try to help them after it happens. No, what? So when I told my story, I became the poster boy for sexual abuse. Mm. And I was like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I got to find another word to use instead of the word sexual abuse. So I just started calling it trauma in general. And when I did that, I brought the whole entire planet into the conversation. Right. And then I didn't have to talk about sexual abuse anymore. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so wor words are important, especially oh, yeah. in this space, because you want, because you want to create as safe a space and as safe an environment as you possibly can because you know i've done 850 speeches i am exhausted I, like i don't even want to hear myself talk anymore right. but i know that i need to use the right verbiage so that at the end of my speech or in the question and answer piece that one person finds the courage to stand up in front of strangers and tell their story or come to me and tell me their story so that i can actually help them and put them in uh, uh, places where they can get resources, they can get help so that they don't feel alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, That's when it. We schools and, and share Tyler's story, we do the same exact thing. And we tell the student athletes and we hear back from them that they do do this. If you do not know how to ask for help, if you don't know how to start that conversation tell Tyler's story to someone and then tell that person how you're feeling. And I get emails, DMs from these student athletes all the time. I did what you asked me to do, Mrs. Linsky. I went home, 
I called my mom. I told her that you guys were on campus to share Tatter's story and your journey. And then I told her about myself and now I'm in therapy. I hear that over and over. Kim, I want to piggyback on that point because it's beautiful what you just said. And thank you for sharing that. Back to the, I don't think campaign solve it. I think story solve it. So here's one tool. Use Tyler's story. People come to our website and they see, you know, we got the same here sign language sign and you see all these different people who are listed there. And I, I get skeptics who are web designers who go, Eric, why don't you just like list a row of four and then click see more, see more so that like there's efficiency to it. And I say, because then that takes away the smorgasbord that people need to see of all the stories that are there. Mm. And story is a tool. Tyler's story is a tool. McKenna's story is a tool. The the one of the there, there's a woman, Megan Montgomery, whose whose brother died. He was a uh, by suicide. He was a big time punter in the NFL, mm. and she she uses the term all the time. They live through lives saved. Okay, for all the schools out there. And maybe this will be a good way to end the, the, this conversation for all the schools out there, high schools, colleges, by the way, I'm sure you all have been asked to speak in K through sixes as well. Cause we have, doesn't matter the age. Okay. With the school, we want to work with you collectively. We don't want to be adversarial. We don't want it to be that there has to be lawsuits. We don't want it to be that there's a hit piece done in Washington post about how suicide is being handled but we need to see positive change happen. And we feel like we have the tools in storytelling, in normalization, in connectivity, in vulnerability to make that change happen. And it piggybacks on what Hunter said. You're not going, and Mark, this is why I brought up the counselor thing. We need the resources of counselors. I hope no counselor listening to this is upset that I said counselors alone is not the answer, but we, you, when you bring that horse there, if they don't understand what the counseling is for, then we get the Tylers of the world out there who go, well, it's not for me. So it's for the other kid. And please work with us because we want to change the culture on these campuses. We want to help you with your internal and external communications. What we're doing right now isn't working. That's why we just spent an hour and a half together because the, those of us who are on this podcast with you that are listening, we care about change happening. We need you as partners to change to happen. It can't be a sweep under the rug. My big takeaway for anybody out there is don't think that this can't happen to you. I mean, you know, we're upper middle class. We have had three great kids. We're down to two. Two of them are scholar athletes, you know, very well-grounded people, people that everyone loved, like if you never met McKenna, it's impossible to do her justice and, and don't think that it can't happen to you. That's my big takeaway from all this, you know, and then I'll let, Sh- I'll let Cheryl take it from there. Yeah, I was just saying like, it really, it's great that the universities are, are, are open to, to this and that they get it. Um, the high schools have a long way to go. And the earlier we can get in front of the kids with these stories, the better, because I mean, you hear it every day with, I mean, the, the goalie that Hunter mentioned up in New Jersey, you know, she was 12 years old, you know, those brains aren't fully developed yet. Like to know that, you know, the impulsivity that that's there, they, they can't see the the bigger picture. I mean, but the, 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 having an environment, having the, you know, the therapist, having an environment where they feel safe to come forward, because I think that's a big part of it. And talking about it again, six and six years, there is just, that's appalling. And, um, 
you know, kids coming in that voice, you know, sharing something that's happened to them, they, they get re-victimized because, you know, if someone did something to them, they want them to fill out a report, be a snitch, tell them who did it. And then they have to go for a mandatory, you know, mental health therapy. Nothing happens to, you know, the bully, let's, let's say it's just, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and we recognize that. And I think, you know, collectively change can happen. It just, it doesn't happen overnight. We didn't get her overnight. Mm-mm. You know, and it is, it is happening. I think change is happening. I mean, Eric, you've been doing this since 2018, us too, right? Um, it's different than what it was five years ago. I really, I really see it. Um, I, I think there's um, more transparency. I, I think there's, I think there's more of a belief in you're going to be, um, and you talked about the, you know, the spectrum, right? Everybody's on that spectrum somewhere in there. But we, we've learned from our mental health professionals. This is a, this is a guy actually who works with NFL players, and you're going to be a, a happier person, a better player if you're taking care of your mind. And you know this. I've heard you say it. It's all connected. It's it's yep. mind, body, and soul. And and I do think there's a belief now that more people are following that. And so they've got to take care of their mental health, wherever it is on the spectrum. There's still a long way to go. Uh, McKenna's kind of the things that have come around her are the McKenna way, kindness matters have kind of gravitated to her name. Her and her brother both participated in fellowship of Christian athletes at their school. The fellowship of Christian athletes was having new t-shirts made and they wanted to put like the McKenna way and kindness matters on the t-shirts. The school told them they could not have a reference to McKenna on their t-shirts. Oh my God. We have a long way to go. There's a long yeah. way to go. Yeah. The reason why we have answers both ways where Kim's seeing the progress from 2018 and then, you know, the Browns are talking about the long way to go is because there's so much to be done. Right. I think, I think we were, we were so backwards for so long and there were, there were messages that were commandeered for so long for nefarious reasons. I won't get into that. And I think also just to jump in real quick, I think the other thing is that, you know, when you get into the collegiate world, they tend to drive change and that sort of stuff and openness and more, you know, uh, whereas like high schools, especially in, when you get south of the Mason-Dixon line, tend to be more reactionary and less progressive and they're less proactive in uh, the things they do. Whereas college campuses tend to like to push the outer edge a little more. Whereas, you know, once you get south of the Mason-Dixon line in high school and stuff, they tend to be much more reactive and and, and, you know, resistant to change would be a good way to put it. Well, pro- programmatically, I'll, I'll end on this is, you know, and we included Holinsky's Hope. We included Hidden Opponent. We included Hearst Foundation. Um, I'll say to the Browns, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to include you in this. And I'm bringing this up because you said south of the Mason-Dixon line. We're having discussions right now with Palm Beach county schools which is 140,000 students about bringing in this tool that we've worked with Mark and Kim on called lifesaver right and it's first person suicide prevention we we talk all the time about what do you look for in other people well what do you look for in yourself right what are the thoughts and the feelings that come over you when that bridge starts to break and you start to have those thoughts how can we help people find safety how do we have a, a positive plan of action and I, I just want to I want to end by saying that, you know, for Kim and Mark, 
for Hunter and Cheryl, you know, it, hearing your stories each time, Mark, it's, it's you, I don't know how you, by the way, every day, the way that you give yourself emotionally when you tell the story is incredible because you're this many five years removed from it and it's visceral. You can, you can feel it when you're talking. Theo and I sometimes say how like we have to sometimes go through the motions when we're telling the story because you, when you get into it, it literally drags you down. So for everyone who's listening to this podcast, what these two couples are doing by sharing their story, they're giving pieces of themselves in a selfless way that cannot be measured. They are, they should be thanked. I know that's not what they're looking for, but they're bringing about change. And I only say they should be thanked because I know that they're doing this on behalf of Tyler, on behalf of McKenna. They're doing this in their name to make change happen and to save lives. So on behalf of Theo, on behalf of Darren, uh, this is Eric Hewson. We're all a little crazy brought to you by same here, global mental health movement. Look forward to seeing you next episode.